Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. I am Brian, with me as always are Vince and Zach. We are going to get to the comics in just a minute, but there's some news to report. Um, let's start with the most important news of the week, which is Robert Pattinson is playing the Batman. The okay, Batman. moving on from that. Um, the, the real most important news of the week was that uh, a new Wildstorm miniseries was announced, Wildcats, written by Warren Ellis, illustrated by Ramon Villalobos. While I am still smarting at not being able to see him draw those amazing characters from Bordertown anymore, this makes up for it big time. This is an amazing assignment for Villalobos. Maybe just the best thing. And that book just... It just, oh, it feels good. The Jim Chung cover is really good, too. Mm-hmm. Just top tier. Yeah, Villa Lobos and Warren Ellis, like, you can already picture it, right? <laughs> yeah. You can already imagine in your mind's eye how good it's going to be. <laughs> I feel like Villa Lobos is a really interesting, like, parallel to John Davis Hunt. Whereas John Davis Hunt is a much cleaner line than Villalobos, but they both do similar things very, very well. Yes. Um, I think it's really interesting that we're following up with a Wildcats book rather than an authority book because these Wildcats characters, this kind of like group of four characters here, have kind of gotten sidelined in Wildstorm over the past arc or so. Um, and, and it's really like the, the wild storm opened with these characters um, like grifter and that uh, spacesuit girl, <laughs> but we really don't know much about them. They well, haven't been fleshed out very much. Doesn't this seem to be like the, the, I think this will be to the authority eventually as what Michael Cray was to the Wildstorm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But this also almost kind of feels like a bridge thing, maybe. Sure, yeah. Like uh, a nice little six-issue mini before we get to maybe whatever the next um, long-form thing is going to be. Or maybe we're just going to have miniseries, which would be fine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, my initial reaction was a slight bummer at this being only six issues because I just want to see these two work together forever because it's a great it's a great combination. But I think that for this story, this seems like actually the perfect length to go with. So, I'm so excited for this, you guys. Yeah. This is going to be fantastic. Anything else to add about this? I'm just glad the Wildstorm's not over, you know. Yes. I'm so glad that somehow, some way, they found it in them to keep it going. Did you think it wouldn't for a while? I well, we had talked on the show a little bit about you know, not sure how much it's selling. Is he really going to be able to to see out this four four uh, book vision that he had for it? You know, mm-hmm. and I I mean, I always hoped, but I was a little skeptical along the way. I think we've been told that Zealot will be the fourth title, right? That was the we plan. We have been told that, yeah. And and we were also told that, uh, we've referenced this before, that 
two years in, one of the books will change. So we, we presume that means the Wildstorm to the Authority. Right? Yeah, well... No other book has been running enough to change. I thought I thought it was... I thought that change was going to be... Um, that that was going to be like one of the four books. You know what I mean? See, I always took it as that there was that this was this was almost like a fifth book. You know, but it's oh, just it, but it's okay. a continuation. But it's a continuation of that fourth book. It's, it doesn't count against that four because okay. it's just like the next you know iteration of of whatever. Sure. Um, you could easily be right. I could be wrong. Hmm. Who knows? Or you could be somewhere in between. <laughs> As usual. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be great. comes out at the end of August. Can't wait. Uh, we should also briefly mention that we, uh, we're getting a new Neil Adams, Rachel Ghoul series, which is going to be absolutely incomprehensible and bonkers. It's going to be bad. Yeah. Um, the worst parts of um, Batman Odyssey were the Rachel Ghoul parts, and so I'm just expecting this to double down on that. Um, you've read a lot of Neil Adams Batman, haven't you, Vince? Yeah, not as much as I would like, though. It kind of it kind of started in Detective, and then a lot of that like Rachel Ghoul shirtless fighting stuff happened over in Batman. So okay. I have read a good bit of it, but is it is it as good as I hope it is? I I have only read bits and pieces of it. It's good. The classic stuff is really good, and it comes it comes at a time where the book really needs a change in in how it feels, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was like the perfect mix of it was the right time for it, and it was exciting, and the art was different, and totally like of its time, but. You can appreciate it in that way, and sure. Um, yeah, it's very good. If you went back and, and read it, you would you would enjoy it immensely. I think. Okay. Because you know, um, I've read bits and pieces like in anthologies, you know, of, of collections of good Batman stories or whatever, but I've never sat down and read like a an arc by by Neil Adams, aside from the terrible stuff he's done in this millennium. Yeah, I think that's the only Neil Adams I've really read. So, oh man, yeah. Well, you guys owe it to yourself to like realize why why he is such a big deal, <laughs> <laughs> well, and and how the and how this modern stuff is not representative of of yeah. what he's capable of. Yeah, right. Yeah, or what he was capable of at least. Yeah. Well, thanks to DC Universe, it'll be a lot easier for us to do that sort of stuff. Oh, there's so. a lot of stuff I need to read on there before that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're doing something new this uh, summer at Multiversity. Uh, Vince has already said he will not do it because he doesn't like fun. Uh, Zach has not let me know yet, but I'm, I'm going to be doing it. It's the uh, Summer Comics binge. We're picking a series and reading like a big chunk of it or the whole thing. And I'm going to do the Power of Shazam. Uh, over the summer, so look out for that at multiversitycomics.com. I, I'm going to do it too. I'm going to do every Green Lantern comic that's ever been published. 
Man, I don't know. There's like a lot of things I've been wanting to do. Maybe I'll finally read One Piece. Yeah, see, that's perfect for this. We'll see. Yeah. I I, I was toying with... I was playing around with... Uh, as Vince is well aware of, he's told us about a few times, there are a couple of websites that do like big reading orders. And there is a Captain Marvel slash Shazam reading order that's basically everything... Because he, he's a character that wasn't introduced into DC continuity until after Crisis. And then even after Crisis, he's really not around that much for a while. So you can read like almost every Captain Marvel appearance up through like Infinite Crisis in under 100 issues or something like that. It's crazy. Uh, he just wasn't around that much. So I was toying with reading like the first 10 years of Captain Marvel in the DCU for the summer. We'll see. That'd be cool. Yeah. Dude, there's a lot of good stuff there, I hope. Oh, God, I hope. Um, anyway, let's get to this week's books. Um, I feel like both because of our predetermined rules, but also just because of what happens in the issue, we got to start with Batman number <laughs> 71, written by Tom King, illustrated by Michael Janin and Jorge Fornes. Two artists whose styles do not match at all <laughs> and <laughs> no. makes for a very jarring read at times. Um, it's it's great when their Batman are, are posed right next to each other in the exact same pose and they look drastically different. <laughs> yes. Uh, Zach, why don't you start us, talk, start us off talking about this issue? Because you so said that you loved of, half of it and you hated half of it. Yeah, yeah. Can you guess which was which? Um... I can. I don't know. I, I have conflicting thoughts on this. I'm going to say that you hated the stuff with the Bat family. Yes, 1,000%. The, the Janine pages were bad and the Fornes pages were good. Not that Janine's art is bad, but that's just the, the differentiation. Um, no, the stuff in the Wayne Manor was the best. Um, <laughs> A, like... I love Fornes's art. Um, and his Batman is incredible. His Batman is great. Yes, it's so good. But just, I mean, the very best page in the whole issue was, yes, Master Bane, and then <laughs> Batman just slaps the soup. <laughs> My soup is dead. <laughs> uh, but but I mean, honestly, like I I. I, I those those pages were fine were good I, I liked that stuff the stuff with the bat family and gordon and the bat signal which something completely brand new that they did with the bat signal um, changes the bat signal forever it. changed yeah. it forever <laughs> um, changed the light bulb literally changed the light bulb <laughs> but um yeah no that's that's how i felt about this issue vince would say you i couldn't agree more, Zach. And even even the stuff in Wayne Manor bothered me a little bit for the typical the typical Tom King reasons we always complain about. Having having Bruce stand there and say, I'm going to break your damn back like three or four times is just unbelievably lazy. You know? It's not it's done for some sort of dramatic effect. It's the repetition that we know and love from Tom King. But it doesn't have the intended effect that he's clearly going for. To me, he's not going for groans, right? But that's what I'm doing when I see him do shit like that. 
Um, that aside, those pages were gorgeous. Uh, I actually like the concept of the twist to this issue, which we'll talk about, I think. Kind of. Like, I, I like it, but again, it's muddied in this stupid execution of the writer, I think. Um, there's no reason for this issue to be uh, chronologically chopped and screwed, by the way. There's there's literally no nothing to be gained narratively by weaving these pages together in a non-chronological way. You're, it's not like you're discovering... You discover something about Bruce at the very end... But it's not like it's not like one page informs the next, even though they're taking place at two different times. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I feel like he does it so often, and very rarely does it actually have an additive effect. But you can just tell when he's writing that he's like, oh, this is going to be – it's going to go back and forth. It's really smart that way. It's going to disorient the reader in a very smart way. and. It just doesn't. It it falls flat to me. Uh, it feels more like a chore to go back and forth because it's not really serving the narrative in the way that I think he thinks it does. Um, and just, you know, for, 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 for as much as I complain about Tom King's dialogue, I don't think he's the worst. I don't think... I mean, his Batman is a psycho. I don't like the characterization. But... It's nothing compared to the way he writes the Bat Family, which I feel like almost to a person, uh, he just gets wrong for my tastes. Tim calls Bruce man. <laughs> yeah, and just and like thinking back to the scenes from, uh, uh, like Detective One Thousand, the the story that tom king wrote where like they were all just these insufferable people i just see like under his pen i just see them all as that now like i he writes them as the bluths yeah oh my god that's great yeah only like also not funny so so he writes on my season four bluths (laughs) ah, there there you go Um, all right so wait who who is who here we have to do like we've already i feel like we've already done this oh we have to do it again um well, I mean, uh, his Dick Grayson is Joe, honestly. Definitely, yes. yes. Oh, That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Does that make Does that make Bruce Michael? Bruce, well, no. Bruce is um, Bruce is George. Yes, George Bruce Senior. is George Blue. Yeah. All right. So that makes <laughs> so that makes Hush uh, Oscar. Hush is Oscar. Yes. 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 Uh, 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 Honestly, Catwoman's Lucille. Yeah, Cat Catwoman is Lucille. Babs is obviously Lindsay, and there's some weird romantic stuff yes, going there on is. there. But, yes, there is. Uh, uh, is Damien Buster? <laughs> Damien is Buster. Uh, Duke. No, is no, 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 no. Damien is Anyang. Oh, okay, I was gonna say Duke is Anyang. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> as long as we don't forget concept- Anyang, I'm cool with this. <laughs> Conceptually, you know. Yes. And this is gonna throw you for a loop. Okay. But Jason Todd is Michael because every yes. every every dozen issues or so he's I'm leaving the family. That's I'm true. done with all <laughs> of you. Like like this this like this issue. Yeah, exactly. Does that make exactly. Starfire Sally Sitwell? <laughs> <laughs> so 
Stan Sitwell is. Yeah. <laughs> All right, hang on. Um, so if 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 Dick is um is Job, then uh, then like is uh, would would Wally or Roy be Tony Wonder? Yeah. <laughs> Wally's Tony Wonder. He's got the W. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, and he's sure. he's very fast, so he's here, he's queer, and now he's over here very quickly. <laughs> so <laughs> um, okay, okay, hang on, hang on. Um uh, Okay. We need to clarify because is is Babs um Lindsay or or is Kate? Ah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I see. I see where you're going with that. Yeah. 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 So, th- so then, so then, Renee Montoya is Tobias. <laughs> oh shit! Yes, 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 yes. I like it. Okay, but who's George Michael? Um, Tim. Tim is probably George Michael. Yes, and maybe is spoiler. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay, so, well, who's Cassandra then? Uh, Cassandra's Anyang, actually. Now that we're, now no, we're Cassandra's Anyang. Now yeah. that we're doing this, Cassandra's... But, yeah. No, Cassandra... Cassandra's Ice the Bounty Hunter. Who's Egg? <laughs> oh, Egg <laughs> is... Egg? Um... Egg is kind of Starfire, actually, now because that, that's the other love interest. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so Sally said, well, somebody else. Um, does, <laughs> does that make Jim Gordon Gene Parmesan? <laughs> yes, of course it does, obviously. <laughs> Leslie, Leslie Tompkins is Barry Zuckercorn. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm going way down the rabbit hole here. Yeah. I don't even... No, Barry is Kate Spencer. Yeah, Barry is Kate Spencer. Bob Loblaw is uh, Leslie Tompkins. Yes. Uh, Bob Loblaw loves Loblaw. Bomb. <laughs> um, Wayne Manor is the banana stand. Um, yeah, of course. Of course. Alfred is, is um, their one-armed un- uncle. Oh, J. Walter oh. Weatherman? Yeah, J. Walter Weatherman. Yeah, you're right. Yes. You're right. Yes. And uh, Batmite is Mr. Banana Grabber. No. Who, who is Baby Banana Grabber? <laughs> These are the kinds of questions that I don't want to be asking. Yeah, exactly. Right? Uh, <laughs> um, okay, so wait. If Bruce is George, who would be... Does that make Bane White Power Bill? <laughs> Unless you are a serious Arrested Development fan, you are so checked out right now. And that's okay. Uh, I mean, we haven't, we haven't been on this bullshit in a while. No, we haven't. So thank you, Lucky Stars listeners. Um, uh, and I'm just still reeling on how good the Renee Kate Bruce <laughs> thing went went out. Like, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyhow. Yeah. Brian, Brian, you talk about this a little. Oh, it sucks. 
I want to keep talking about George Michael Bluth. No. Um, we, we need to talk about the, the CTE angle. Well, yes. Well, let, me just, let me first say, um, I, the one thing I'll say about the Bat family stuff is I think that sometimes King forgets that Batman has a family. So it was nice to see that acknowledged. Like, if something was really going on with Bruce, there are lots of people who do care about him and who mm-hmm. would come to something like this. I don't think it was well-written at all, but I'm just glad that they... I'm glad that Tom King realized that he can have these characters show up once in a while. Sure. I'll say that about that. I... I don't mind some of the Wayne Manor stuff. I don't. Um, but I don't know. This issue sucks. So let's, let's talk about the CTE. So first of all, if you guys didn't read that interview with Tom King, would you have read this issue and said, oh, snap, Batman has CTE? No. no, I would have said he's mentally broken in right. some way. Yes, I, that is exactly how I read this initially. That okay, he's you know, he's just he's past the point of of log of logic, and he is having some sort of psychotic break, uh, a fugue state, if you will, and uh, you know, this is what Bane has done to him. <laughs> what? I was still on the Arrested Development kit. <laughs> Go, for it. Go for it. Tell us. <laughs> oh, it's so weird to say in 2019, but look what the homosexuals have done to me. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? In what is that a reference to? You just said, look what Bane has done to him. Oh. oh. <laughs> Uh, took it all the way back to the beginning I just just want to light light myself myself on fire fire. (laughs) (sighs) it's Um, nice to know I have a brother in Memphis and a brother in Minneapolis (laughs) Um, look what Bane has done to me if Tom (laughs) King's Batman says that then (laughs) (laughs) uh by the way, Bruce has definitely committed some light treason in his day. Yeah. <laughs> Just yes, putting that out yeah. there. Um, okay, so so all three of us think that we would have read this as just that Bruce is pushed pushed beyond his breaking point by Bane. Mm-hmm. But Tom King is saying, no, Batman has CTE. Well, is he saying that or, you know, or, or are we inferring that from his interview? Well, what... Do we have the interview pulled up? Someone have it pulled up? No, but he's no, but he said something like, uh, he he had he butted Bane back in issue eighteen or something, mm-hmm. and he said, uh, but of course you can't win by headbutting Bane, and in fact that's the that's the secret that's a secret and something that we'll come back to going forward. It was something like that that he said, and so I immediately thought. Oh, Bruce is all like this is like a CTE type injury where it's messing with his mental state. And that's why Tom King's saying that that's the secret. And and my support, my supporting evidence for it is when Tom King introduced the real way that Batman's violence uh, impacts people health wise when he 
nearly killed that one guy in the War of Jokes and Riddles. And to me, that's like the Chekhov's gun for saying, well, like, in Tom King's Batman, the violence has a real physical consequence, even though these heroes are constantly beating one one another up all the time. It you know? affects him interiorly. Interiorly, yes. He's a writer, <laughs> damn it. Well played. Uh, keep talking. I'm I'm glancing over this issue, this interview a little bit. So keep talking. Sure. So I just I think that that is that is my guess for what the big twist is, and that doesn't seem as earth shattered. Like he says, oh, it's going to affect Batman for for decades or whatever. I I don't know about that. I feel like the, like if if my guess is right, I feel like that's something the next writer takes the book. You know, take who takes over for the book. It's just going to be like, well, we're never going to act like Batman has CTE. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I could be totally wrong. That might not be what this all is at all. It's just that that that's... When he said that, it kind of set off some bells in my head. I mean... Uh, there's a... Go ahead, Zach. I was just going to say there's a bit in this interview where the, the interviewer asks him about... Um the fallout of some of the events that have happened in this run, particularly Rick Grayson. And then his answer is, well, I can't speak for Rick, uh, <laughs> but this whole issue, this whole a hundred issues is about Bane is evil. Batman loves Catwoman. It's like really funny to me that he like, can't speak to the thing, he the made character, happen. the thing that he made happen. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I can't really say anything about it. And I can't, yeah. That's all in the Jurgmeister's corner now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jurgmeister. <laughs> that, that phrase sounds disgusting to me. I don't know why. It just does. Uh, it sounds like Ferg Breath from uh, Clarissa Explains It All. <laughs> okay, so which Batman character is Sam, the guy who comes through the window? He comes through the ladder. window, so he's like Dick Grayson. He's very agile, you know. Uh, yes, okay. And uh, does that make Clarissa Babs? Uh, Clarissa's Babs. Um, James her, Gordon Jr. is Ferg. Yes, uh, her punk rock boyfriend, whose name I can't remember now, is uh, who, who gives a shit. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, what I was gonna say was, you know, oh. re- what? No, you could finish your thing. Okay. What I was gonna say about that Tom King interview is, I feel like I don't, I don't think that you're wrong, Vince, in that it does sound like he's implying that Batman has CTE. Uh, but I could also see it being he's like, <laughs> Batman Sorry. should know better than to headbutt Bane. And so this shows that he's clearly not in his right mind. Ah, uh, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah. You know, but I also but that would have been that would have been long before the, the quote unquote breaking of Batman. Sure. Know? Yes. Agreed. Um, I also want to say, like, I feel like Batman is maybe the one character that you can't do lasting change with very easily because he's so involved in other parts of the DC universe. Like, if mm-hmm. Batman has CTE, how does Justice League work? Well, that's why he's uh, making all the wrong moves right now. <laughs> yeah. It'll get to yeah. that a little bit, I guess. Um, it just seems to me like this is the type of move that you can't do unilaterally, and I can't imagine DC being like, yeah, sure, we'll, we'll, do, well, a, we'll do a CTE Batman for a while now. Well, yeah. that's the thing. I don't think he, he says in the interview somewhere, or maybe not. I don't see it in this interview, but I saw it somewhere where he said that, like, DC's on board with this, right? Not only DC is on board with it, but like Warner and AT and T 
is on board with it. Yeah. Which makes me think that it's something bigger than CTE. <laughs> bigger than CTE. So you don't think yeah. that in issue 105, he shoots himself in the chest so that they can uh, study his brain, is what you're saying. <laughs> that's dark. Well, that's, that's... That's, that's where Tom King brings me, baby. Yeah, that's really dark. I don't like the. I don't like what he does to us. Uh, oh man, I'm just. He's I'm reading up. here. I he he talks about how this 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 run started with with Batman on a plane, uh, you know, facing down death, and then issue fifty, he 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 realizes that maybe maybe death is the only thing that can make him happy, and I'm I'm convinced that just the 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 day Tom King got out of the CIA, he listened to. Kanye West power and realize, <laughs> ah, I must write a Batman story. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. To be fair, if that's any, dark too. If anybody is, Bruce is a twenty first century schizoid man. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm t- I'm referencing the King Crimson sample. What's up? Uh, yeah. Anything else to say about this issue? I, I I really like that Jorge Fornes art. I think he's he's one of my favorite artists to come around come along in a long time. Yeah, I uh, he's I think really I saw good. that he's doing something at Marvel soon. I want to say he's he has a page in that Marvel Comics one thousand. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which seems like a weird project, but that's okay. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of into the idea. Um, we will be doing uh, at least once a month check in on the Hickman X books on this show. So, oh hell yeah! Sorry, folks. Yes. <laughs> um, this is what you have wrought. You you let us do this show. We've got drunk with power. This is where we are now. It's gonna be one third DC, <laughs> one third Damon Lindelof's Watchmen, one third Hickman's X books. <laughs> yes. I don't consent to this. <laughs> Well, let's talk about Justice League number 24, written by Scott Snyder, illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. This is the, is this the penultimate chapter of the Sixth Dimension story? It's issue five, so I would assume so. I think it's the penultimate issue. Um, This is a weird book, guys. It is really weird. That For, cover. Yeah, the, the cover is pretty special, though. We have, we have to agree that. Um, I, I keep thinking that's an homage to something. It looks almost like the cover to... Is it the penultimate issue of Black Mirror? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, I do know what you're talking about, but that wasn't what I was thinking of. It's not really. That's just that's that's kind of what I thought of when I saw it. But it, it, looking at it more closely now, it doesn't really look like that. Okay. I mean, it kind of looks like it actually looks a little bit like the Mignola covers for Death in the Family. Hmm. Man, I wish Mignola would do some DC covers again. <laughs> it will never happen. But no right um so let's talk about this issue what did you guys think vince start us off well 
Okay, but you were saying this is a weird book, and I want to hear you explain explain your reasoning for it because I, I completely agree, but okay. I, I want you to follow sure. up on that. Well, let me first start by saying that um, before this book, I think the only time Snyder had written Superman was that Jim Lee miniseries he did with Superman. Superman Unchained, I believe it was called. Yep. And I was not a particular fan of that book. It was It was fine, but it wasn't anything I was you know, super jazzed about, but the opening of this book with Clark and John and Smallville, I loved. I don't know what you guys thought of that. I thought that was a really great sequence. Mm-hmm. I'm a Which sucker. They did, they did a similar thing last time too. Yes. Yes. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for Clark and John stories. So that's, you know, I'm just predisposed to like that. But so it starts off with this like very emotional, you know, Superman story. And then, we get this kind of, you know, jump to him trying to get out of this trap, which we, which I thought he got out of last month. No. Or last issue. No, I had he thought... fell short. Okay. Um, so then we're, we're tossed into this, into this, you know, we're back in this alt universe where the Legion of Doom have uh, saved the Justice League, and there's a lot of, like... Uh, you're the greatest hero. No, you're the greatest hero. No, you're the greatest hero <laughs> conversation going on. And uh, Batman is either being convinced he needs to destroy the multiverse or is just really trying to play rope-a-dope here with the World Forger. And um, and then they get back to Earth and they're going to fight old, their old versions of themselves. It just felt like it was three or four books mushed together without a lot of transitions between them. That's why it's weird to me. Why is it weird to you, Vince? I I feel the exact same way. And the thing is, is that I don't dislike any of the three books. Agreed. <laughs> you know? It's just... I, I'm, I'm struggling a lot with this because I like almost everything that's here as part of the recipe... And yet there's something about this book, and I don't know what it is, that's holding it back a bit. And I, I can't I can't really articulate it. I've thought so hard this week about how I was gonna explain how I feel about this book, and I and I just can't. I think the only the only conclusion I could come to is that it's too much too fast even though we're 24 i don't know we're 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 24 issues in we're a year in we're a year in i feel like we've wow a year holy shit okay uh we're a year in and i feel like we've been just blasting forward through these stories and yet at the same time, we're not that far removed from what the concept of the very first issue was. Does that make any sense? Yeah, and I would yeah. usually say that's a good thing. It, yeah, yeah. I'd say I've, I, maybe I'm getting at this wrong. Maybe this isn't what you're saying, but it feels underdeveloped in a way. Would you say that, or maybe not underdeveloped, but just not? 
It feels a little thin, maybe. Unearned, perhaps. Unearned is a good word for me. Like I, I was going to say, the scene with the Legion of Doom and the Justice League like working together was an effective scene, but it would have been way more effective if we had an issue or two of them doing stuff together. It just felt very final and very big for something that happened like in 10 pages, you know? Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the stories feel that way where if there was just, if there were, if there was a slower burn here, I would appreciate these stories a whole lot more. It would have like a bit more weight to yeah. it. Um, man, I love that Legion of Doom team. Um, that, that was good stuff. Yeah. The Legion of Doom, or responsible for my favorite line in any comic this week. I'm I'm getting to it. Um, where uh, <laughs> Sinestra says, "John, don't let our light grow dim ever." Thank you, Thal. Cheetah says, "Diana, remain always true. Sisters in arms always." Grod says, "Flash, I still hate you." <laughs> Thank you, Grod. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Yeah, that's good. I think. I don't know if unearned is the right word for me, but but to me, what what I mean is, what was the opening salvo of this series? It was the totality, right? Yeah. And even though we saw them like go to the center of that crater and and get the totality essentially, and bring it in, and the source wall had broke, like all of this stuff happened very early on. And they're still dealing with it, but also kind of not dealing with it enough. You know what I mean? Like, th for them to be in a in a different dimension right now, it feels to me like there's all this stuff going on, and they're away from it. Like, shouldn't there aren't there problems uh, that are adjacent to what's going on in this arc that that they should be dealing with and they they can't because they're they're trapped right now but then what is going on outside of this you know what i mean it both feels like it's very immediate and serious and yet also like they're just kind of dicking around and not not i don't mean the justice league i mean like kind of the writers and the creators like you know th this totality thing was supposed to be the thing and it's still there in the background, and yet the story is and isn't about it. You know what I sure, mean? Yeah. May I offer a narrative solution to that? Sure. I wonder if the idea is just that once the source wall breaks, all hell breaks loose. Uh huh. And so everything is just feels so much more immediate because there's no time for them to breathe. Well, and yet, but yet at the same time, it feels like they're not dealing with that problem on an issue-to-issue -issue basis. I mean, I know they are, but it doesn't feel that way to me. You know what I mean? Like, sure. It feels like so much of this book is spent on other things. It's like they made the problem way too big for, <laughs> for the story that I am immediately reading here in front of my face. Right, right. You know what I mean? I also it's, wonder... It's hard to articulate, but... Like so many things at DC right now, I wonder how much of this is 
Snyder kicking the can down the road because things were supposed to be lining up in various books and those things aren't happening. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I think this book has that problem less than other books do. Um, I think Snyder can sort of get his way a little bit more and tell his own story. You know, I don't think he's waiting for Doomsday Clock for this. Um, you know, but I wonder, like, you know, just as the Odyssey was supposed to be coming, there was supposed to be essentially, at the point of Justice League 24, there were supposed to be 12 issues of Justice League Dark and Justice League Odyssey. And I think we just had Justice League Dark 10 and Odyssey 6. Mm. I think we're on maybe eight, 7 of Odyssey. Eight, Odyssey, something like that. But, you know, but still, I'm saying, you know, it's like it's months behind where it's supposed to be. And I wonder if they're waiting for certain things to catch up in those books. Or if those well, books are Odyssey just... was already behind because of the... Well, that's what I'm saying, you know. It oh, was... okay. I see. oh, I see what you mean. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. They don't seem too terribly connected. No, that's what I was going to say. These books were all supposed to be interconnected. Like, it was supposed to be Teen Titans, Titans, and the three Justice League books, and then Batman and the Outsiders. And mm-hmm. all those books came out at such different times and changed so much that almost none of them feel connected anymore. It's weird. It's very weird. But this isn't a bad comic. No, no not, not at all. In some ways, it's a very fun comic. It's just oddly paced right now. Yes. Yes, I think our chief complaint is essentially the same, even if I struggle to find the words to mm-hmm. to articulate it. Sure. Yeah, I, I think we're I think we're all happy with what's happening in the book. We're just not always happy with how it happens. Well, let's move over to uh, Naomi number five, the penultimate issue of this initial six-issue story, written by Brian Bendis and David Walker, illustrated by Jamal Campbell. This is the issue where we get all the answers, supposedly. It introduces a villain that will be taken care of in one issue, (laughs) Um, because that's how this miniseries is going to work. I want to talk about this in two different ways. So, Zach, what did you think of sort of Naomi's origin story as part of this? Um, it was not at all what I expected. It was a lot of telling, but I kind of liked the way it was told, um, mostly just because the art was really good. And I, I do really kind of like, um, when comics focus on art and lettering in this way to tell a story. Um, I don't know. I, in, I'm in some ways it was not very, um, interest. It was interesting, but it was just very derivative, you know? Um, but man, I don't know. I really, I really did like this issue a lot. 
I don't know if I like this issue a lot. I didn't dislike this issue, but I feel like usually when a book makes you wait five issues to get big answers, they're bigger answers than these. Or not? I, I guess. I guess. It's not. I mean, I guess. I. I guess. I see that. Yeah. It just seems like I don't know why this big reveal needed five issues to prepare me for. Well, I. I don't necessarily think. With this probably being the first of like several miniseries, I think that the real big ending is going to come at the end of the sixth issue mm -hmm. I, I think like this this is the big reveal but uh, i think the big the really big moment the big twist or whatever will be at the uh, end of this first issue i don't at uh, the end of the sixth issue i don't necessarily expect this miniseries to wrap up with a bow i kind of am expecting maybe uh, a cliffhanger type thing. But I don't know. It could, if, if it does wrap up and they just, she beats this guy and that's it. Then, then yeah, I don't really know what the point of this series will be. I mean, on one hand, well, you know, it's very rare that we get a series dedicated to introducing a new character. So I, I don't want to shit on, the concept of taking a new character and and giving us a nice slow build up to get to another character instead of just throwing it out there, you know, sort of fully formed. But I just think that this and to a certain degree Superman, which we're talking about next, both are like the most bendest comics we've gotten at DC so far. This one in particular. This just is a it's it's a very slow, very decompressed, very word heavy story that this this could definitely have been the second issue and I don't think you would have lost anything Vince what do you think yeah I completely agree I know it's kind of problematic to to keep talking about Bendis when and we've said this on the show before we've all you know we've 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 faced this before that like we mentioned Bendis around this book a lot more than David Walker, who's his co-writer here. But yes. but does not the structure of this comic just feel like it's 100% Bendis? It does. Yes. I mean, somebody could somebody could point to something and tell me that I'm wrong. You know, if there's if there's an interview somewhere saying, ah, this was all David Walker, but like, couldn't be more Bendis if I had to guess. And um, the I think I fall somewhere between you guys as far as like how much I liked this particular issue, but I agree with you 100%, Brian, when I say like when you say that this could have been the second issue. To me, this feels 100% like okay, I want to introduce this new character, new origin, secret history type thing. I got maybe two or three issues of story, but you know we got to go for the six issue trade. We got to stretch this out some way. It's going to look really nice. We're going to do like a three card money and you're not going to, you know, most, most people aren't going to be able to even see or care that we're doing this, but we're going to stretch this out over six issues. And I think the first, let's say 
six six pages of this comic is a great example where uh, she she uh, shows up to her friend Annabelle to explain all of this stuff that's been going on with her, and they you know again this feels like classic Bendis fashion where he loves to have characters waste time by like misunderstanding or not really not really listening to one another or like not really you know it's a shtick right he's doing shtick he's like there's like it's supposed to be comedy but it's not funny it's just it's a waste of time in a 20 page comic to have the friend be like what i don't really what are you talking about i don't really get you know and it's like what's the deal with aliens yeah exactly it's this back and forth like very shticky very like it's a it's a gag it's it's that's what he's going for and it doesn't work because i'd rather they just get to the point like we are we already get that naomi is uh a hero and didn't know that she was before and uh wow that's going to be really weird to the normal people in her life but we we're in the dcu where this stuff happens all the time i'm done with these misunderstandings and goofs surrounding but the person she tells this to doesn't act oddly at all. <laughs> There's no I misunderstanding mean, there. Yeah, I don't really, I don't mean misunderstanding. I mean, like, there's like a back and forth where, like, okay, you know sure, what I mean? sure, it's, yes, okay. It's a, it's a, it's not, not a mis- misunderstanding is not the right word, but like, um, well, like, like, what drugs are you on? Can I have some? Blah, blah, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, that's a, that's a line that she says, and it's like, it's it's not a misunderstanding, but it's like a it's like a, okay, I don't one hundred percent believe you, or I don't one hundred percent understand what you're saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then you're right. By the end, then it's like, oh wow, that's great. It's great that you're a, a super powered whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's a delay tactic that I've seen Bendis use in his writing so many times, um, or or David Walker. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I've liked Walker's more recent work more than like his Marvel stuff more than Bendis's recent Marvel stuff uh, before he hopped over. So I don't know who, I don't know who to blame for this, but I don't need sequences like that anymore. Wasting time in my comics, you know Um, that being said, I really like the story. I really like the art. Um, I like this idea. I love the, like the fact that, that Walker and Bendis have placed this, in like a crisis timeline and it's coming out of a crisis. Yes. That's a really interesting, uh, concept to me. Do we know specifically what crisis it's referencing? No, I mean, it's, it's a crisis on an earth. We've never been to. Sure. So that's yeah. But I didn't know if it was like, is it some crisis that, you know, because theoretically, there have been crises, crises that have affected multiple all Earths, Earths, yeah. Right, so I didn't know if like you guys would know specifically which one this referred to, or if it was only that a crisis on that Earth or whatever. Um, well, see, it it was interesting. He's using the word crisis, but it didn't seem like. Are you just saying you didn't see any red skies? No, I'm not saying that necessarily. I'm just saying like. This was more like an environmental thing. Sure, but 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 using the word crisis means well, something. Well, yeah, so. it does. It does, and especially with what's going on in Young Justice and everything. But and that was something that I thought was kind of weird that this 
it didn't feel like a crisis event. Oh. The way he described it, it didn't feel like any kind of crisis that we should be... It, it didn't resemble, not like a specific crisis, but it doesn't fit the crisis. <clears throat> you know, I guess is what I'm saying. So it is, yeah. So it is a crisis of this earth, whatever whatever earth it is. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, Which not, makes me think crisis. that he's, he's, Bendis is about to like riff on what a crisis is. Sure. Like that's what he's building to, I think, with his Wonder Comics books. That, yeah, that's interesting. And see that, I am down for that. And that's why this book interests me, even if it's it's almost like the Justice League problem, except it's not with, you know, Justice League is a, is a new problem I can't really articulate, whereas this is an age-old bendis problem that I can articulate perfectly <laughs> why I don't like it, you <laughs> sure, know? Yeah. But it's the same thing where I really, I like the story and I'm invested in it. I just don't always like the way that it's being told. cool idea though it is and i think that the idea of having a character that is is having its stories told in a hellboy like manner of small miniseries is a really smart thing for dc to do especially yeah. if she pops up like in uh in young justice a little bit but just to have these like very condensed little adventures i, I think could be fun for a character especially if this character can prove to crossover the multiverse that's very cool yeah all right well let's let's uh, let's try and get through these next two quick because we got we got more to do this week we have a little surprise for the back end of the show <laughs> um but let's talk about superman number 11 written by brian bendis yet again illustrated by uh ivan reyes my one big note about this one and then i'm gonna let you guys talk about it because i feel like i've talked too much this week already is um this to me felt like a very bendis issue also because nothing in this issue happened to move the plot along at all except until the final page like we basically come into this battle where we left it last month and until supergirl shows up with crypto at the end there's really not that much new that happens here but i enjoyed everything that happened i really liked superman talking to the three like warring tribes I liked a lot of that stuff, but in terms of plot movement, there's almost nothing in this issue. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It it looks so good, though. It's very... Ivan Ray is doing his George Perez thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. although there there is one panel of John in the beginning where it looks nothing like John. I, I, I really was like, who is that character? Oh, that's John. Oh, I gotta that's because he's not... He's nutting, right? Yeah, I, man, I'll send I'll send it to you. Is I, it, I know the one you're talking about. He's he's like a little bit chubbier than we're used to. Oh no. <laughs> it's probably not the one we're talking about. Alright, that's again. No, that's not the one, but that 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 is that is a nut face one. Let me find it. You, you guys you guys talk for a minute. If you said he's a little chubbier, I think I think I, I think I one. think I see the one you're talking about. Yeah. He's making like a he's making like a derp face. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, but it does look good, and the I love the George Perez uh, comparison there, Zach. I think that's yes. really apt. Very nice. Like George Perez meets uh, '90s. 
George Perez always drew hair a little curlier, whereas this is very 90s angular hair, <laughs> I think. Um, yeah, it was, re- it was really good to look at. Uh, I agree, n- not much happened. Um, I feel like, especially, it's weird. There's, there's a lot of words in the front half of the comic and then all of a sudden they all start to go away mm-hmm. and i don't think it had quite the intended effect on me because on some of these panels i almost thought like oh, did they just forget i actually had the same thought words? like is this an unlettered preview <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but i think and i i think it looks great um General Zod kind of looks like Nick Cave in a couple of these, uh, <laughs> a couple of these pages. Dig yourself, Rogel's arm. Trying to find a, 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 a bad yep. seeds reference there. It's not coming. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that's a that's some late bad seeds right there. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think of of like syllabically what would work, and it's it's not it's not coming there. No, something something. Red right hand. I'm yeah, sure. there we go. Um, Zach, anything else to add about this issue? No, not necessarily. I don't. I. Uh, What's I the think matter, I, bud? I, I wanted to like this issue more than I think I could. Um. I do like how we see some of the pieces coming together. Maybe um, there's a lot of like, I mean, obviously Supergirl shows up at the end of this book, but we get, you know, a name drop of uh, Gandalo, you know, from over in that book, um, which it's nice to see that getting woven back in. And the stuff with Zar and, and Zod is a little weird. It, it was kind of weird how it just jumped from them being in the phantom zone to them being there which that's fine i don't have to have everything like fed to me it just happened very quickly um see what i'm wondering about here with zod is i feel like zod is one of the more purely intentioned characters in dc comics where everything he does is for the good of krypton like in his understanding of that right um Mm -hmm. obviously He's his actions are bad, but his intentions are always presented as relatively pure. So I don't know if Rogelzar could convince him that Krypton needed to be destroyed. Like that, that I think strains credulity a little bit with the character, but we'll see. Anything else to add? Mm-mm. All right, that brings us to our final book of the week which is teen titans number 30 written by adam glass illustrated by bernard chang let me just start off by saying i can't believe how much i'm enjoying what adam glass is doing on teen titans yeah no um i (laughs) I think maybe uh, at least right now at this point over, say, the last five to six issues or so, Teen Titans is the preeminent youth book over Young Justice. Wow. 
I can't tell if Vince's silence is anger or shock or. or I what? uh. <laughs> I that's gonna tip my hand a little, but uh, I agree with Zach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is really good, guys. It is. This may have been, you know, if it weren't for American Carnage, I think this would be my issue of the week. Wow. Yeah. You I know, mean, I, I think I'm, I might be with you. It. What I was so impressed with was how it really handles the situation with some nuance, and gives people the opportunity to make like arguments that aren't simple and moralistic, but try to debate the greater good and all that you see people emotionally dealing with these actions, but also doing so in a far more mature way than we see in a lot of adult team books. Mm-hmm. You nailed it. We see these same arguments a lot played out a lot in, in team books, right? Uh, rarely are they done. And of course, like, of course, somewhere in this issue, some, some heroes punch other heroes, you know, but, but it's it's not there's so many times when heroes get into these sorts of arguments or these petty squabbles and it's it's not believable at all you know and it helps that these are teens because i think like i think with the younger characters you can do the squabbles a little more and it kind of it kind of makes sense cuz you can chalk it up to them being young and inexperienced part of my complaints about heroes in crisis are okay uh, the Trinity is too old and too experienced to be acting so dumb, right? Right. Um, with with youth characters, that's a little different. You can play a little bit differently with that. And yet, what you say is exactly right, that in this book, they don't even feel that immature, you know? Um, they're, they're just having an honest conversation about something that's really important and, and their immaturity doesn't really play all that much into it. Um, I think, I think it does go to highlight show to highlight that most adult superheroes are written with the emotional fortitude of a teenager. So <laughs> yeah, You're not wrong well about said. that. Yeah. Well said. Um, but I thought this, yeah, this issue did a wonderful job of that. From from the cover, to to the to the back, right? Like, look at that cover. The windows to the walls. <laughs> till little John always tells the truth. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, except about Iran, but that's. <laughs> that's um, a spicy take. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the the big letters. How could you? That's such a classic comic booky cover. You you. Part of my complaints is that comic book covers these days. You know, my complaints with modern comics are that uh, the the covers have nothing, little to nothing to do with what's inside. But this one really sets you up for more or less exactly what you're going to get on the inside, right? Not only that, I think I think the covers used to be a sales pitch. Mm-hmm. And the cover was was there to entice you to pick up the book. And to me the covers covers don't have even that quality anymore usually. Yeah. But and this isn't like this is what's in the book as in here's the last page on the cover. This is yeah. A a visual summary of what this issue is about. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, and like, let's just like, Chang is just really working it here. Um, I I really liked how he had each character kind of in profile on the edge of the page throughout mm -hmm. the issue. Yep. Yeah. It was a really nice touch. Um, I mean, it's not like anything particularly innovative, but it looked really good. Um, Maiolo's coloring is just unbelievable. He's one of the best. Um, yeah. Uh, this book is just wild. Like, I would never have expected to, like, care about, like, Crush or Jin or Roundhouse, any of these, you know, side characters. And then the way that they're even elevating um, Emiko and, and Wallace is... It's, it's something. It's great. And don't you think... I, I part of me thinks that Jin is only there because Adam Glass like wasn't allowed to use Raven, you know. Possibly yes. Because they they tread similar ground, except except Glass has created Jin as a as a completely unique character, even if they serve similar power set slash emotional roles on the team. She's a unique character, and I almost. And this is the fault of the other writers who have recently written Raven, but I, I care more about Jin right now than I've cared about Raven in the in the modern uh, age of comics that we've been reading. Right. It's wild. And, and even if she was created as just a Raven stand-in, I I feel like there has to be some forethought going on here because, like, the way that her history, her like background of being you know trapped and in prison feeds into the conversation about what they're doing, what oh, Robin sure, is doing, sure. you know? And so, yeah, and it's I, just, it's just good. And I don't know if it, I don't know if she literally was created as a stand in. I, I just mean like, no, I, I know what you mean. Yeah. It, it feels like that. Like part, part of yeah. me thinks like, Oh, this is just the Raven character, you know? Right. But right. It would, it would be I mean, easy to just make her another Raven. And, and but also she's not. In some ways, isn't Roundhouse sort of the Beast Boy character? Sure, yeah. You know, there's just yeah. there are certain like Teen Titans tropes that are there. Yep, but I and it works beautifully. You don't notice as much. You know, if, if I sit here and think about it, because I need to think about things to talk about on the show, I think about things like that. But if you're just reading the comic and enjoying it as you go, they're distinct characters. You don't. You don't. That stuff doesn't occur to you. You know. Yeah. Um. Man, that Teen Titans special was so bad <laughs> in in preparing us for this that we just we just continue to be bowled over. Maybe that's maybe that's the key. Maybe all first issues should be bad. The problem is they don't want to buy the second issue, but I see I'm, where you're going I'm, with this. I'm joking. I know, joking. I know. God, you just squash my jokes every chance you get. Nope. Not true. <sighs> Shall we do our lists? Let's do it. Okay. This week, the good list has American Carnage on it. The okay list has Aquaman on it. The Sandman Universe list has Lucifer on it. The Vertigo list has High Level. The Jurgens list has Nightwing. And the Bendis list has Pearl. And that's all, folks. Those are the books on the list this week.
Uh, coming up after the break, we're going to do our current top 10 DC series. So uh, strap in and stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on MultiversityComics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we are back. The last time we did this was in October of the last year, so a lot has changed at DC since October. Uh, At least one, two, three... Four of the books on my list were not being published in October, as far as I can recall. So uh, my list will look quite different. Um, But Zach, since you are the birthday boy, why don't you give us your number 10 book? Okay. Okay. I'm I'm going to put this out there. I'm sorry, Zach. Just just to say, what we're going to do is uh, if a book appears later on one of our lists, we're going to defer it and talk about it at its latest point. At its highest ranking. Yes. So, sorry. Yes. Go ahead, Zach. Well, well, I know this book will not be discussed later. It's not Red Hood. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it's not Doom Patrol. Um, this is a good faith pick because I, I have been enjoying it <laughs> artistically. I don't know what you think I'm going to say. I don't think it's what you think I'm going to say. Um, my number 10 pick is is Naomi. Wow. Nice. Okay. Um. I think of the of the Bendis books right now. It is the one with maybe the clearest vision, I guess, of what it is. It's the simplest, I should say. Um, and I, you know, we just got done talking about how it is kind of hard to distinguish where Bendis starts and and where Bendis ends and, and Walker begins, but I I do, I like how it's being written. It is a little decompressed, but I've enjoyed every issue. Like Campbell's art is fantastic. Yep. Um, some of the best work he's ever done. Um, I like the way he moves from, kind of smaller panels to bigger panels to like full, you know, splash pages um the lettering on it which i mentioned in this issue is really good um yeah i don't know i think it's a it's a breezy but enjoyable book so far all right vince what's your number 10 my number 10 is young justice um we talking about that later at all no 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 all right um i i don't think the book is necessarily firing on all cylinders, but the things that it does really well are things that surprise me. Um, I, I didn't expect Bendis to be messing around with crises uh, in DC as we know them. 
Um, I didn't expect that. I expected to get a book where Bendis gets to write a bunch of young heroes and he teams them all up. They go on adventures and they more or less skip explaining how they all got together, how we got Khan back. You know, I, I expected him to breeze right by that. Instead, this book feels more like, quote unquote, rebirth, the promise of rebirth that was first introduced to us, what, three years ago now? Uh, yeah. Doesn't it feel like, doesn't um, Bart hugging Connor feel like Wally hugging Barry over, all over again? And those like nice warm feelings are back. Yes. Um, the book looks great too. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, do we know who's coming, who's, who's coming in on art? I imagine it'll uh, probably still be Tim's, I would think. Okay, because it was because Gleason kicked it off, right? Yeah. And he's gonna be gone. Um so yeah, Tim's Tim's is a good fit. That's a that's a really good fit. Yeah, he's a nice um, fit for the book. So the book looks great. I like all the young characters, maybe not quite as much as Teen Titans, um, to tip my ha- hand a little, but um uh but it's all these characters that I've wanted to read again and I get to again and it's not bad. So, uh, so it's my number 10 book. Cause I'm just thrilled to have uh, these guys back again. All right. My number 10 book is the flash. Are we talking about that later? Mm-mm. No, but that was my, if I had one honorable mention, it was that. Okay. Uh, so the flash is an imperfect book. I think that The Flash has been really suffered from the delay in both Heroes in Crisis and um, Doomsday Clock. Like, you know, very early on in the series, Jay Garrick was hinted at, and we have not seen Jay Garrick since. But I think that overall, the book has been a really solid Flash story. And, you know, we've we've gushed praise on Josh Williamson before for this. But, you know, we asked him at New York Comic Con what he thinks his sort of contribution to Barry's legacy is. And he said he gave him a personality. And he said it kind of as a joke, but I think he's he's not wrong here. This is some of the most personality we've seen Barry have. And while the Still Force, Sage Force stuff hasn't been my favorite, I still think that this is the... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the antidote to Tom King's Batman in terms of the epic 100-issue uh, story that we're going to look at as one of the pillars of Rebirth one day. Zach? Yeah, I don't... Oh, do you want me to talk about that? No, or do you want I want you to do my next one. Okay, do my next one. Okay, my next one is Wonder Woman. We will talk about that later. Okay. That is also my number nine. So, uh, so Vince, okay, what's your number so nine? My number nine is Teen Titans. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk Ooh. about that later. Ooh. Um, I guess we'll we could talk about it right now. No. Okay. <laughs> we won't then. Okay. What's your number eight? Well, what's your number nine, Brian? Isn't it your turn? To I be said Wonder nine? Woman. I said oh, what? oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. I love oh, our. Oh wait, that, here. oh, but 
Right, so Vince has to come back to Wonder Woman. So yeah. we're now at Vince's eight. Well, he said it was Teen Titans, and we both said... No, no my nine was Teen Titans. Oh, what's your eight, Zach? Eight, Teen Titans. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Who's on first over here? Okay, yes, we're, we'll talk about that later. Okay, so um, Vince, what's your number like eight? The, this is like the start of Naomi number five. Um, <laughs> my number eight is Martian Manhunter. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Brian? Um, my number eight is Shazam. We can talk about that now. Talk about that now, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, you know, again, this is sort of my good faith um, pick on the list. I do like what Jeff Johns is doing with Shazam. I love that early backup by Sen that I, I mm. wish would come back more. Um, but I just, you know, I'm, I'm a huge Captain Marvel fanboy, and I feel like there's just, there's a lot of elements that are being introduced into this book in fun ways it doesn't feel like it's being rushed but you know we're only five issues in four issues in and we've already seen like the seeds planted for hoppy the bunny and black adam and just lots of good stuff on the horizon so um i like what's happening so far i just hope that the promise of more backups and also the promise of continuing to flesh out one of my favorite supporting casts in comics continues. So, and I hope D uh, Dale Eaglesham does more with the book because I, I love his art as well. And that's my pick. It's a good pick. So, back to me. Yeah, you're number seven. And we're on seven. Yeah. Uh, action comics. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, okay. that, that was my number seven. Okay. okay. Uh, my number seven is Teen Titans. Hmm. Okay. We'll for, talk about that. For all the reasons we just talked about. <laughs> um, it's just, it's really, it's a really good team book. I, I'm, I'm a big proponent of team books, and I think sometimes what team books become are, like, uh, two characters splitting off and having an adventure while the rest of the team stands around and doesn't have much to do. And I think that Teen Titans so far has not done that at all. Every issue has really involved the entire team and we've gotten a lot of new new or newish characters on this book and they've all been really well developed and uh yeah i i'm, I'm super enjoying this book all right oh, my well six said. sure all right um american carnage we'll talk about that talk, later talk about it later okay my number six is wonder woman Go for okay. it. All right. Well, I just I think I think it took a little bit of warming up to, but I think uh, G. Willow Wilson's Wonder Woman right now is pretty much firing on all cylinders as far as like getting who Diana is as a character, and I feel like over the last uh, few years there are like I think Rucka definitely gets. Wonder Woman as a character, and I think there were parts of the the Rebirth Rucka run that were really good. But I think, on the whole, it was missing something, and I don't know if it was. I think, I think how I would define it is that it was missing. Um, it was missing the fantastical nature of Wonder Woman a little bit. Um, 
thinking about how Wonder Woman interacts with the like anthropomorphic characters uh, that have that have shown up in in Washington D.C. and in, in Wilson's run, um, that stuff is magical to me. Um, the comedy is really good. Uh, Wilson never gets too low or too high with the tone. It's always like tone perfect. You're able to slip a little bit of comedy in there. Um, things are serious, but they're never, they're never so dire or depressing that it, that it weighs the book down or makes it feel grim. Uh, right now we're, we're dealing with an arc where a bunch of people are doing like, uh, free love wife swapping type stuff because, uh, uh, what's her name is in town. The daughter of, uh, Aphrodite's daughter. I can't remember her name. Yeah. I can't remember either, but you know, it's, it's, it's very silly and yet it's, it's presented as a serious problem, but one that inherently brings along humor. Right. And I feel like Wilson's run has been really good for that. And wonder woman has also introduced me to Zermanico's art, which is really, really, really nice superhero art. Very, very handsomely rendered characters. Um, and I've been enjoying that too. Yeah. I, I want to add in two quick things about Wilson's run. First off is that I like that she is introducing or not introducing, I guess continuing a lot of the threads that were introduced by prior writers on this, on this rebirth title, but in a way that feels very natural. Uh, like, you know, there were a little bits of James Robinson's run, a little bit of Steve Orlando's run kind of sprinkled in. And I enjoy that. But what I think is most impressive about her run at this point is that I think sometimes the problem with a Wonder Woman book is that not that her characterization is off, but you don't get the impression that there's anything unique about the stories. You could take a lot of these stories and put Superman in there or put another hero in there and it wouldn't change too much. These feel like uniquely Wonder Woman stories. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, I would agree. I think that this most recent arc and then the preceding arc with Giganta, um, and then actually even really starting with that issue with the anthropomorphic characters in the restaurant, mm -hmm. that stretch on have just been a lot of fun. And I keep making this comparison, but it really makes me think of fables. Mm -hmm. um, like at early fables when it was really fresh and, and fun and good. Um, I just keep getting that vibe to the point where I'm almost like, man, let's get Mark Buckingham on a, on an issue or two <laughs> or something like that would just make it. Um, but, but you're right. Like Zermanico and um, who, Oh, uh, Carrie, Carrie Nord, Carrie Nord. My goodness. Like that, that Giganta arc with him on art was so good. Um, just really great work there. Um, weird to like compare those pages to like um i guess my other biggest touchstone for nord is um the relaunched exo man war yeah the hawkman of the valiant universe exactly yeah. right right <laughs> and this is just so much more distinct and and unique than that so um 
I, I'm glad to see this book coming into its own because I, I did not care for that first arc. Agreed. Okay, where are we now? So, Vince, was that your number? That was my six. Okay, my six is Martian Manhunter. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Ooh. Zach, your so... five. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what? My five is Dial H. My five is Dial H. Talk about it. Ooh, Zachy Bill. Okay. okay, okay. I mean that that Dragon Ball issue. What what more is there to say? This, this book is wonderful. I came in thinking that no no Dial H book could ever touch the the China Meville one, and oh, I was wrong. <laughs> Jobu the Zonky King. <laughs> and uh what what was the what was the uh what was the mecha one called? Uh something deadhead. I can't remember. I wish I could remember. Yeah, it was something deadhead. I can't remember the uh what anyway, fantastic. I love this book as a art showcase and a celebration of everything that comics can be. Um. Yeah, they're knocking it out of the park. It's a good comic. Brian, your five. My five is the Green Lantern. Talk about we'll that later. Talk about that later. Okay, Zach, your four. Uh, Martian Manhunter. Talk about it, baby. Okay, I mean, Orlando and, and Rosmo, man. I, I I really like it's exactly what you'd expect it to be and it's very good um, it's uh, it's an origin story but it's also not um, it's just very smart very thoughtful well written all those great things and it, it just looks so good so I mean it's uh, no I won't say that because it's mean it's very good Yeah, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I think that the book looks gorgeous. I think there's a lot of weird Martian sex stuff, which I'm fine with. And, yes, uh, major se- major selling point in the book, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's good stuff. Uh, okay, so Vince, what's your number four? American Carnage. We're going to talk about that later. Ooh. Uh, Ooh. I know we're going to talk about my number four later, which is The Wild Storm. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're talking about that up. later. Much later. Okay, so my three? Yeah. Uh, the Green Lantern. My three is also the Green Lantern. Okay. I feel I feel like our top three are going to be the same. Fucking sheeple over here. Yeah, right? <laughs> our top three are going to be the same. Uh, Zach, okay. speak you, on you it. Talk, you talk on it first because I, um, I took Dial H first. Okay, well, first of all, I'm the Grant Morrison mark. Uh, there's, you know... There's an inherent bias anytime a Morrison book comes out. Chances are I'm going to probably love it. You know, I just think he, he writes comics the way that I want to see them written. Um, so I want to talk about Liam Sharp for a while then instead. Uh, I, I think Sharp's... I really liked Sharp on Wonder Woman. He was kind of um, an unknown quantity... I mean, I, I knew the name. He, I had had been, maybe... he had been out of the game for so long. Right. I had maybe yeah. seen the art, 
But even when he was in the game, I just was not reading the books that he was drawing. You know, I never really came across his art in anything other than maybe pinups or maybe having seen it by chance, you know? Um, so when he came on Wonder Woman, I was like, where did this guy come from? Are you nuts? And then like, I, I figure out that, you know, he's a veteran of the industry who was out of the industry for, for reasons I don't, I don't really know. We don't really need to get into that, but, um, but it wasn't until the Green Lantern that I was like, okay, this guy's a revelation because I didn't know he could get as weird as this. Every page is like chock full of weird shit. And it's, it's very like 2000 AD in that way. Yep. But where but he cut his teeth. Sure. Yeah. Which again, I'm not as well versed in. Um, but just all sorts of weird. I love, especially in the earlier issues, there were scenes where there were like little weird things going on in the background that had nothing to do with the story. But if, <laughs> if you, if you were looking, it was like, where's Waldo or something, you know? Yeah. Um, just wildly good art, a great fit for this book. And, and it makes me think like, why, why didn't Morrison grab Liam Sharp like years ago and say, come, come do a weird book with me because I think they work extremely well together. Uh, I hope it's a pairing that lasts a while. Well, the the um, rumor I recently heard was that uh, this book is going to wrap up with number 12. They're going to take like six months off while an event happens, and then they're going to do a second volume of this book. The two, Sharp and Morrison. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that's well, that's good to hear. It's good yeah. to hear that they're getting along. And yeah, um, oh, I love this book. Zach, um, I mean, of course, I'll echo everything you said. Um, there, there's an aesthetic here that's just very good, but it's different from book to book. You know, you had that one uh, issue on the planet of the vampire people that was very bloodborne esque, and then you had the the pulpy uh, Adam Strange. Uh, issue and then this most recent issue which um, I think two out of the three of us who truly like this book really enjoyed um... Fuck off. <laughs> I had it as my number five. Oh well I said what I said mm, um, Zach a stinker um, yeah I mean like I'm a huge Morrison Mark as well um He's probably my favorite writer in comics other than maybe, uh, maybe, I don't know. I, I think he's better than Hickman. Honestly, he's more consistent. Um, he's like what Hickman really, really wants to be. And sometimes Hickman has his moments of, of just undiluted brilliance, but Morrison is just that like all the time. Um, and I, didn't really know what I wanted from a Green Lantern book um, because, you know, I never, after the Johns run ended and we had the Venditti stuff, it was kind of just this, always just this waiting to see what he would do that was not, that would differentiate himself from Johns. And he never really did that. Um, it was all just kind of one long holding pattern. Um, but like, leave it, leave it to Morrison to come and know and do 
the exactly the right thing. And then of course, like Sharp is just, yeah, like Vince said, great pairing. Really glad to see him on something that's not uh, Wonder Woman, Batman, <laughs> Raven the Bold, Scottish Boogaloo. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the only thing I'm going to add here is that I think that for all of us, we would have said that we wanted a Green Lantern book that dealt with a lantern. If we could only choose one Green Lantern to have as the star of the book, I don't think any of us would have chosen Hal. But Morrison makes Hal the most interesting he's been in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. This is a great book. I will also say that any of my top five could probably be replaced except for number one. Like, could be, you know, shuffled around with relative ease other than my number one. Um, so, yeah, don't don't think my number five is a knock on this book at all. So, all right, this was your number three, three. you guys? Okay. Yeah. My number three is Action Comics. Oh. Um, Speak on it. Okay, so Action Comics. stand here. Yeah. Uh, again, from a guy who did not like—I have not liked the before he came to DC. I hadn't liked a, liked the Bendis comics since Ultimate Spider-Man, uh, since like the first maybe three years of Ultimate Spider-Man. Um, but Action Comics has been so good. There's been some really great stuff with the Daily Planet staff. We got that amazing Andy and Chaz issue last time, <laughs> so which had good. which had that like that one page previous Andy and Chaz uh, adventure that we all want to see a, a an annual or a one-shot telling that story. Uh, Bendis just seems to really get these Metropolis characters. And it's building to the event Leviathan, which has been a surprisingly smooth build and hasn't felt clunky or shoehorned in, which a lot of times these these events tend to do. Uh, it's just it's just a really really solid Superman comic right now. It is the Superman comic we haven't had in a long time. I remember when Greg Pak took over. Was that Superman or Action? He took over. I think it was it Superman. Was that action. It was Action. Okay. Well, I was wrong. Um, but he wanted to like, he had specifically talked about wanting to do more stuff with Clark Kent. And remember, people found out Superman's identity, and he grew that beard. And some of it was okay, but this is what I've wanted from a, a more Clark Kent-focused Superman comic for a while now. It's just, it's so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't argue with you. All right, Zach, what's your number two? My number two is Deathstroke. We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about that later. Whoa, Okay. <laughs> My number two is the Wild Storm. Well, we'll talk about that later. Ah, uh, my number two is American Carnage. Talk about it. What's to say about American Carnage that we haven't said every issue on this show? <laughs> it's so good. It is. It's the one book of the Vertigo relaunch that I think could have been a success for any publisher over the past twenty years. If this had been an image book. In like 2011, 2012, it would have been a huge hit. If this was one of the icon books when they were doing the sort of more crime-focused books, it could have been a hit then. It's just such a well-written story, but it's despite its timelessness, it also feels incredibly of the moment. 
all of the the sort of uh, you know the ugly Americanism that's been even more apparent since Trump took office is center stage here. There's so much really good stuff that makes you uncomfortable. There, I think it was, I think it was two months ago, maybe last month, where it began with I forget the guy's name, the like the central antagonist in the book, the the big the guy who's running for office. Mm-hmm. It gave his like he was giving the speech about why racism is okay essentially, and it was so well written. That as I was reading, I was saying like there are going to be some dumb people who don't realize this book is written by an African American gentleman, and are going to take this as like a uh, as factional factual reasoning why racism is okay. It, it's such a well written book. It doesn't just treat the bad guys like boogeymen, even though it's very clear that they're evil. There's so much nuance. Leandro Fernandez, who I was not really familiar with before this book started, is doing just absolutely stunning work month in and month out on this book. It's it's the best. I don't know what else to say. It's the best. It's great. I keep I, I always I always compare it to the wire, which is such a trite that is such a trite comparison that I even I just hate making, but I just feel the way that it the way that it layers the perspectives of all these different uh, people coming together around this one issue is very similar in that way. Um, even if the comparison seems trite, but I, I oh I love that book. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I maybe haven't been the biggest fan of um of Brian Hill's superhero work. In fact, I guess I haven't been because I didn't necessarily (laughs) love Michael Cray and I don't care for Batman and the outsiders. And I, I picked up a war of the realms one shot that he did. That was also just okay. Um, but I think that he was, I, I mean, I, I love this. This is very, very good. Um, and maybe he is, I mean, there are just certain writers that I think, handle non-superhero stuff better um sure jeff jeff lemire is one of them mm-hmm. um so yeah no this book is the best of the vertigo books um hands down like no contest and yeah definitely one of the best books that dc's publishing right now i'm kind of sad that it's going to wrap up soon but it is also nice that it's going to be this one hopefully you know concise complete self-contained story that we can just look back on and say that was a very good comic agreed um are we on my a you number one wait no yes my number one uh the wild storm start us off Wait, where where was the wild storm on your lists? Two, you were two, and I was where four. Was four, okay. I forgot that you had already said it, Brian. Okay, uh, I mean this is just the best book that there is, and that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what else there is to say. Well, it's it's another book that we just slurp on every time we talk <laughs> true, about it. Yes. So. And another book that has an artist who maybe we had heard of before. 
but we're not super familiar with. And now, at least speaking personally, is a guy I want to see draw everything. Yeah. And I mean, like, really deserves as much, if not more, credit than Ellis here because it's a Ellis quiet is... book. Hmm? It's a quiet book in terms of dialogue. Yeah, well, I, it's become. I know we've talked about it before, but it's a it's a thing now. With each issue of Wildstorm, I look forward to the four or so pages that are going to have no dialogue, and it's just going to be, um, you know, just John Davis Hunt going wild, and that's that's one of the like key parts of the book. And I can't think of any other book that relies on the artist so heavily like that. Mm-hmm. Remember that one insanely good sequence he drew in that one issue of uh, Harley Quinn? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> more of that, please. Yes, please. Please, more of that. Yeah, this is um, the Wildstorm is so is just so good. It's um, it's everything. It's everything I want out of a Warren Ellis comic, and that's that might sound um, limiting of my praise for it, but I feel like there, I couldn't tell you all I want out of a Grant Morrison comic or a Hickman comic or a insert writer I enjoy here. I feel like for a lot of those guys, they do lots of things that I enjoy that don't always fit together that well. Like I think that there's, there's the cosmic Morrison stuff versus like the bat Morrison stuff. I don't, I don't think those two styles necessarily always go so well together. But I think that this book has like everything that I want Warren Ellis to be doing in this one book. If that makes any sense. I don't know if that makes sense at all. No, it makes yeah. perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. So good. Time for my number one. Yeah, I thought I was going to be alone in this number one, but I think we have the same number one. It's Deathstroke. It is Deathstroke, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, I believe Deathstroke was your number one. No, Justice League was your number one last time around. Mine? I, think. I believe so. I thought it was Deathstroke. Mm, I'll have to check the tape. DJ, roll that back. But, okay. You could be right. Um, but that's for me, Deathstroke, it, did not, it didn't fall out of favor but other books were exciting me and, and Deathstroke was kind of plateauing in my mind. Sure. The, the last time we did this. And I, it's not because I disliked any arc. I just thought like the, the, the Arkham arc kind of confounded me a little bit. I still really liked it, but I, I felt like it wasn't firing on all of the cylinders that priest Deathstroke typically fire on that gets me so excited and zach and, felt that way about the batman arc that preceded it yeah and yes, then I, yeah and then everything after that happened and the terminus agenda happened and i fell in love with this book all over again and i love that it loves to be a superhero comic in in all the ways that 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 entails you know mm-hmm. um it's proud to be a superhero comic. It it kicks ass while being incredibly smart, but not smart in like a show-offy way, not like, oh, I'm being so clever by doing this. It's just good comic booking, serial comic booking, where 
each issue builds on the one that came before it. And six issues down the road, they pull something back in that you completely didn't expect to see again. And there it is. So everything that Priest does constantly builds. The most editor boxes in in comics. Fantastic. Load them up. That's the only text I want to see, damn it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I will just throw out there, too. I feel like I wouldn't have pegged Priest, a guy who had done a, a fair amount of DC stuff in the 80s and 90s. I wouldn't have pegged him as the guy to make me care about Slade Wilson, nor would I have picked him to be the guy who necessarily is cherry, not cherry picking is the wrong way to put it, who's using continuity so well in this comic. Like this is to me, this is the platonic ideal of continuity, where lots of things are introduced that have been established in other places, but nothing is so. Nothing. He's not pulling out such weird small details that you need to spend a lot of time with exposition. He's able to weave past continuity and new ideas together. And the only thing he's really overly reverent referential to is his own work. Like I said, the editor boxes, right? Like there is so much that is tied together from his own work here, but I feel like he's really brought his work onto the same level as classic DC mythology. And we get, his Teen Titans stuff, we get his Bat stuff. There's a lot of Deathstroke. There's a lot of Deathstroke's past in this comic without ever treating it like it's Deathstroke's past. It's just treated like it's part of the fabric. It's so well written. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, definitely hands down the best DCU book and has been for a long time. What, where did it where did it fall in your rankings? Two. Okay. Yeah. Just under Wildstorm. Can we just do our five again? Zach, what were your five? Um Dial H, Martian Manhunter, Green Lantern, Deathstroke, Wildstorm. And Vince, your top five? Uh Dial H, American Carnage, the Green Lantern, the Wildstorm, Deathstroke. Okay. If you swap my Action Comics for your Dial H. We had the same top fives, just in different orders. There you go. I guess Martian Manhunter made Zach's that didn't make mine. Yeah, Martian Manhunter was like my... I don't have the document now, but it was like my eighth or seventh or something like that. It was my sixth. Mm. Um, But yeah, it's... These are good lists, guys. No reason to be mad at these lists. No. Speaking of lists... Let's look at next week's comic list. See what's coming out. All right, let's do that. I have it open. Uh, do you have it open? Oh, you do. Okay, you go for it, Brian. I no, have it. No, Vince, please. All right. Action. Batgirl. Batman Beyond. Detective. Oh, we love Detective, don't we, folks? We do. Um, <laughs> Dial H. You love to three. see it. You love to see it. <laughs> uh, Flash. Uh, Freedom Fighters. Justice League Dark. Martian Manhunter. Silencer. Is that the last silencer? No. I think there's one more. Okay. Terrifics and Wonder Woman. Um, did you guys see that Terrifics uh, is going to keep going after this current arc? I did no. see that, yes. Jean Lu and Yang? Yeah. Oh, man. 
happy about know. that. I'm very Who surprised. Knows how long it's going to go. I am too. Yeah. Uh, I'm always fascinated by what things DC reprints at what time and like what causes a reprint to come out when it does. And so next week we also get the reprint of Outsiders by Judd Winnick, Volume 1. Ah, yes. And I'm trying to figure out like what is it the Black Lightning tie-in that's getting that book? Yeah, is it just is it just Outsiders? It's just it's just because Batman and the Outsiders, or you know what? But yeah, I don't believe I've read that run. Uh, that said, I probably won't, won't be picking up that book either. <laughs> but <laughs> Judd Winnick was on the best season of the Real World, and no one can take that away from him. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks for listening. As always, folks, please go to multiversitycomics.com where you can read uh, lots more from the three of us and lots of other people uh, this coming week. Actually, I guess the, the day you hear this, if you listen on the day it comes out, Zach and Vince will be reviewing some manga. Oh, so boy. You, you can read their manga reviews. Vince always treats us like it's the worst thing in his life. and uh... <laughs> it's, like a, it's like an uncle you don't particularly like showing up at your doorstep. <laughs> so it's Uncle Buck. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you eventually come to love it. Uh, yeah. It's yeah, sure. I I also I also write about the Tick, which it just was announced today. Amazon is uh, not renewing for a third season. So yeah, how do you feel um, about that? I'm I'm sad. The Tick is a very special show. Um, if you read my reviews, uh, you'll know that I don't think season two is particularly funny, but it's got some of the best heart and the most like earnestness and uh, it sensitivity. It's the most sensitive uh, superhero show or movie or anything I've ever seen. And wow, that's, that's worth something. So sure. Uh, I'm, I'm going to miss it. Uh, apparently they're shopping it around to other streaming services. So if it ends up on crackle or whatever, we may, uh... <laughs> is crackle still a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't it'll doubt up, that it is, but, Huh? It'll end up on Pornhub. Oh. <laughs> Everything Porn eventually winds up on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, if you want to get in touch with two thirds of us, we're on Twitter. I am at Brian Intonap. I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to get in touch with Vince, you can find him creeping around Liam Sharp's house, looking <laughs> if looking for discarded pieces of art that he can hang in his house. <laughs> I I am also recording uh, my own episodes of the dc3 cast where i talk about uh batman and tmnt and then i when i'm done recording i pop the mini cassette tape out and i swallow it and nobody else can ever hear it is that for our friend jeremy yes (laughs) he's very upset (laughs) uh i'll just say this uh we will we will do a thorough reading of the trilogy that is batman tmnt for the right price jeremy for six cases of Mountain Dew each. <laughs> each, ooh. Six cases each, uh, and we get to choose the Mountain Dew flavor. We can do, all, but it has to be just one flavor each. We can't say two cases of regular, one code red. You know, we 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 have we have to commit to this. But oh, for, I don't know if they have cans of Baja Blast right now. He might not be able to do it. They have bottles. Now, you can request you get a, bottles. Okay. Get a case okay. of bottles. Okay. Yeah. He has to he has to go to Taco Bell and fill a cup up and nail it. 
Did do your Taco Bells have the like the giant jugs of iced tea you can buy? I haven't uh, had a Taco Bell in in a while. The only reason I, I know, know about this is one of the shitty kids in my neighborhood one day was literally skateboarding by holding a bucket of soda. And I was like, <laughs> "What is happening here?" And he said, "The Taco Bell, like you can buy like you can. It's supposed to only be for their iced teas. You can like is it's not." It doesn't come out of the machine. It's like there's a separate iced tea tap or whatever, and they sell it in this bucket. But he had it full of Mountain Dew. So I just picture Jeremy having to send us like 11 buckets of Mountain Dew each of our own personal flavors. We could make this really hard for him and go for like the collectible Mountain Dew flavors from the X Games from eight years ago or whatever. Yeah. The forbidden flavors. Uh, there had to have been a Mountain Dew like comic at some point, right? Like some sort of tie-in comic. Oh man, <laughs> there was a Subway one where they all meet Jared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very cursed. Very cursed. Yeah. Oh, all I can find is Mountain Dew Rage comics, <laughs> <laughs> which are not the same. Nope. <laughs> nope, not at all. Um. <laughs> oh man, I just remembered a joke that I wanted to make tonight about one of the comics, and now I can't remember what it was. It was about Naomi, and it was about how her dad was a strategy game programmer, and I wanted to say Gamers Rise Up, but I forgot. <laughs> so. <sighs> oh man, I just remembered that. It was right in the nick of time. Talk. Right in the nick of time. So. Thanks for listening, as always. Um, we'll be back next week, probably with just comic reviews. I don't know. Maybe we'll find some other album to talk about or something. But uh, <laughs> Oh, I tried listening to Mass Romantic this week. I got maybe five songs in, and then I was like, oh, I want to listen to Bro Bruiser, so I'll try oh, again. <laughs> oh, boy. I've actually – I'm giving myself a week with each – new pornographer's album before our chat so i'm in the middle of my last week was the was the mass romantic week this week is the electric version week and this week's much better than last week so okay whatever